Hi, this is Walford Kaufman, pastor of Southside Baptist Church in Gaffney, South Carolina. Today, we're going to be looking at the book of James. This is our third uh, part of the study of James, and it ought to be a very special time. Let's pray as we begin. Father, teach us. Lead us through this scripture. Every word is here for a reason, and you have something to teach us today. Lord, let us learn from this, and let us put it in action, and thank you for each one that's watching this, listening to this, that we all grow in you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, look there in James, the first chapter, we're going to look at starting verse 9, and we're going to make it all the way to verse 11 today. But this is a very special study as you're getting that Bible open. You remember uh, first session, we studied about James and who he was and, and who he was writing to. And then last week, we dealt with trials and troubles, those tests. And so uh, looking forward to test our life, that just makes us better Christians. And then that what all of us should be wanting to do is to be a better Christian. And then last week, we also learned about asking God that when you ask, make sure you don't doubt. Why ask if you're going to doubt? I think the scripture said we were double-minded and we don't want that. And so there we start today in verse 9, James, the first chapter. And there we see the brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossoms fall and fall and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Boy, that teaches you something right there. Even when we're doing our work, if we're just concentrating on riches, and we'll deal with that in just a moment. And so we see what James is doing here. He's making sure that all these early believers and the church of today realize that Christianity brings to every person exactly what he needs. Exactly what he needs. And so Jesus starts off with that person in a humble circumstances. Some translations might even have poor uh, person and all. This could be somebody who's poor, who's humble, who's in a lowly position. Maybe the downcast. Maybe the reject. Maybe that person that has spent time in jail. Maybe that time that's uh, that person that's been in drugs and all, and now they're saved and they're walking into a a setting with other believers. Don't look down upon yourself. Truth is, all of us have made mistakes. But here's James is teaching them is not the person that is lowly. It's the position they're in at that time. So all of us can find ourselves like that. And so there we see that it's not the person, it's that situation. And so James was getting a message across to the new believers. And, and what we find out, if you go study the early church, it's, it's a wonderful thing. If you go and study the early church, there was no class distinction. There was no class distinction at all. A slave in those days, think about this, a slave in those days could be the pastor of the church. Most of them were like bivocational pastors anyway, not like we think of a pastor whose only job is to be a pastor of a church today. But then this day that a slave could be the leader, the pastor, teacher of a church and his master, <laughs> this is what blows my mind. The master, 
that owns that slave back in these days could be sitting there under the teaching of his slave. Now, it's a different concept of slavery, but it still was a very... It wasn't any use that word slave. It's always going to be terrible. But in that situation, there that slave could be teaching his master. That's how wonderful this was. And so uh, there we see that sitting there, there was no social uh, distinction among those folks. And so uh, the social distinction of the world was gone. One person was just as important as another. No matter what they were doing in this world, what position they held in that word uh, world, what standing they were, everybody was the same in the church. And how important that is. And I want to just tell you something that happened to me early in my ministry as a pastor. Uh, I was in a, a little church, a mill village, if you know anything about that concept about the mill village town. And I was at a First Baptist church now. It might have been a First Baptist, but it was not a big church. And I remember visiting a family in that town. And uh, I was able to share Christ with them. And they became saved. And uh, I just rejoiced that they became saved. And, and I was sharing with them about coming to the church. And then following through on membership and baptism and all that. And they looked at me and said, I'm sorry, we can't go to the First Baptist Church. And I looked at them. And I said, what do you mean? Well, that's where the supervisors go. See, I grew up in a farming community. And I did not have this idea. I had learned this mill village uh, way of doing things. But it used to be in the old mill villages, there would be like the First Baptist or the bigger church. And what would happen in that situation, that's where the supervisors, that's where the bosses, maybe that's where even the plant owner went to church. And then there was the other churches uh, that uh, that's where the mill workers could go. And they were looking right at me and saying that they couldn't come to the First Baptist Church because that's where the supervisors went. And I laughed and, and I apologized to them. But the mill had been closed for 15 years. But that was the mindset. And do we have that today about distinction? Well, you know, we welcome everybody to come to our church. Look around and see, do you really welcome everybody to your church? So you might be one of those churches that uh, more the lower middle class or middle class. Well, do you reach out to those who are rich? No, they wouldn't come to our church. Or maybe, what about those that coming in, they just got out of prison? Oh, they wouldn't be welcome in our church. So do we have to be very careful about distinction? And this is, what, this is what James is teaching here, that the brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. See, he is in a high position now because it's what Jesus Christ has done. And so that's what he was getting across there. He was saying here in this teaching that the, every person, every person is important in the church. Uh, everybody is important in the church and truthful. They're important in this world of ours today. See, we see that the, the, in the Word of God, when you start reading it and looking, every person that has been born, every person that's walking on this earth today, whether they've been born and they're still here on this earth, they have a job to do. There's a purpose for them today. Every person is to be used by God. 
If a person cannot go, they can sure pray for those who do go. If a person cannot serve, maybe they got a physical limitation, they can pray. And so i got some questions for you, some examples to share with you. Who led Billy Graham to the Lord? Now, we, most of us that's watching this can remember Billy Graham. Some of you are younger and just learning about Billy Graham, but a great evangelist that reached the millions across this world. But who led Billy Graham to the Lord? Well, I found this out. It's kind of interesting. A Sunday school teacher named Edward Kimball helped lead Dwight L. Moody to Christ. And then J. Wilbur Chapman was converted at a Dwight L. Moody evangelistic meeting. And then Billy Sunday was converted at a Chapman uh, meeting. That's J. Wilbur Chapman. And then Mordecai Ham was converted at a Billy Sunday meeting. And then Billy Sunday was converted at a Ham meeting. Now it started way back when this Sunday school teacher reached out to Dwight L. Moody, great uh, preacher of England uh, hundreds of years ago, and so all this. And then that person led another person, led another person, and another person. But you know the one I really think most important in that situation? It was a gentleman by the name of Albert McMakin. That's right, McMakin. M-C-M-A-K-I-N. Have you ever heard that name before? Albert McMakin was 24 years of age, a farmer. I think he was working on the, the Billy Graham, the Graham family's farm. 24 years of age, but he had become a believer in Jesus Christ. He got on fire for the Lord. He got on fire, and what they said he would do is he would get his pickup truck and load up anybody he could and take them to a revival. And it was that man who invited Billy Graham to get in the pickup and go with him to that revival. How important that is. So think about it. Sunday school teacher, you're important in church. A farmer who can use his vehicle to take somebody to a revival or to a service or invite them to know Jesus Christ as Savior, you're just as important as Billy Graham. Just as important. So how we need to believe that every believer is important to the church. Every believer is important to reach this world for Jesus Christ. But most of all, you think about this. Every believer is important to God. That's a no-brainer. Every believer. I know there's some people, and it might be you that come across this video just by accident. And you feel like, I am nobody. I'm an accident. I shouldn't have ever been born. That is the craziest thing you can say because you're not here by accident. God created you. He formed you in your mother's womb. And you're here today. And you're still breathing. And that heart's still beating. If you're listening to this, if you're watching this, that says God has a purpose for you. But here's the biggest thing to know about this. Why would God send His, his Son, His Son, that he loved so much to come and die on a cross if you were not important. Well, uh, he died for all those others. No, he died for you. He died for me. He died for everyone on this earth. So James is getting this message out. That humble person, the poor, the rejected, all to take pride, all to take pride in their high position. Uh, 
that you think about this. They didn't earn it. They didn't earn it. It was by the blood of Jesus. But you need to say thank you. You're in a high position today because of the blood of Jesus Christ. But James doesn't leave it right there. He has a warning. You think about this. After he says about one in a humble condition, he says, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position. Reversal. We've got a reversal here in, in what's going on here. And so uh, I think James is telling us, let's keep it on level ground. Uh, what's that old saying I've heard many times? And, and all At the foot of the cross, it's the level ground. And that's what it ought to be for all of us. Uh, you want the humble? You don't want the humble to stay low, but you don't want the rich to stay up high either. You want all in the same position. But we all know what riches can do to a person. I know we've joked about it. You have. About winning the lottery. Oh, if I win the lottery, I know the first thing you're going to say, I would give 10%. I give 20%. I give 30% to the church. Oh, I don't think that would be said, right? Uh, but we always talk about what we're going to do with that money. And then we'll make a remark like this. And that money won't change me one bit. Now why? It's proof. Just study all the folks that have won the lottery. How many of those are even able to survive it? But what happens? What do riches do to us? Whether we earn these riches or by luck, what does it do? Well, I've got some notes here about what it does to us. It gives us a false sense of security. A false sense of security. We feel safe because what money can do for us. Well, if this accident happened, I've got the money. If this problem come about, I've got the money. You know, we feel safe because what it can do. We think we can cope with anything that comes down the road. Anything because of all of our resources. All this. We believe we can buy ourselves out of a problem. We can buy ourselves into any situation. You know, uh, they'll accept me now because I got money. Is that all that happens there? But the biggest thing, if you take all what I just said and wrap it up in a nice little package, here's what happens with riches. Here's what happens when we think we've got enough money, right? When we think we got enough. Notice what happens? We don't need God anymore. We don't need God. James throws a few other words in there that kind of gets that message across there. And says here, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wild flower. And then goes on anymore. For the sun rises with scorching heat and weathers the plant, its blossoms fall, and the beauty, its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Oh, look what happens there. You might have the funds. You might have the resources, but you can't handle it by yourself. Uh, Isaiah, Isaiah uh, take, teaches us something here. In Isaiah 40, verse 6, a voice says, cry out, and I said, what shall I cry? All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, 
But the Word of God stands forever. It stands forever. So we see what James said, and then what we see in Isaiah, how important it is. And so, uh, pass away like a, a wildflower. For the people of Palestine that were reading these, this letter from James, this is one of those no-brainers. This is one of those, aha, I know exactly what you mean. What you mean. Uh, they were too familiar. In that location, and I've seen places like Arizona, I mean, just as bare, dry as could be. But a good shower comes about, and next thing you know, there's green. I mean, whether it's grass or wild flowers, you see it. But it doesn't take very long at all from that green to disappear, to die, to blow away with the wind. Uh, a little shower of rain can bring all this beauty on in no time, but just as quick it can be gone. One writer said, sometimes it took one hour and all the vegetation is gone like it had never been there before. Oh my goodness, rich man, wake up. Those who want to be rich, you need to be warned right here. Watch out. Watch out in what the Scripture tells us. And so life's blazing sun of uncertainty. Life's hot air of change. I mean, the thing about it is, you can have all the money in the world, but it cannot buy you perfect health. You can have all the resources. And does that mean that you have true love? True love? Yes, money, resources can be gone just that quick. James was saying to the rich, by taking pride in your low position, I know that sounds kind of crazy. I mean, the rich person will be lifted up. The rich will be the best and all this. But, but if you take that low position, you're ready. Ready for the unknown. Ready for disaster that comes. Ready for the down times. And there will be down times no matter what. So the fool is the one who trusts in his things, his resources, his wealth. Yes, the wise is the one who trusts in the Lord. The fool is the one that thinks he can handle everything. The wise person is the one that knows it right up front. I can't handle everything by myself. I can't do it. I need God. Yes, isn't it great to know that we can handle everything no, I don't want that. I don't want to handle everything. I can't handle everything. I'm tired of trying to handle everything. I have a God, a wonderful, loving, all-knowing, ever-present, all-powerful, uh, and all-loving God who will take care of us. Who will take care of us. Isn't it great to know that with uncertainty and change it comes about, I mean that we can handle it through the Lord. I hope that you can handle it today through the Lord as the Lord guides you and leads you. And so as you look at this scripture, I know we can just cover over a few verses, but how important this is. Those in low positions, remember how important you are. Report important you are. You know, I, I talked about Billy Graham, but they said that Charles Spurgeon, great preacher of many, many years ago in England, had a church 
10,000 plus in attendance back in those days. Back before there was uh, all this amplification, all these speakers and all this, uh, big speakers there. 10,000 people coming to know the Lord. But you know where the real power was? Not in Charles Spurgeon's preaching. But they said in the basement, right under his pulpit, there was a group of men that would gather every Sunday, every time he preached, and they prayed. And they prayed. And they prayed. Do we know their name? No, we don't know their names. We know the name of Charles Spurgeon. Even after all these years, you, that name pops up. But what it tells us, you know what? God has a purpose for us. Can you pray? Do so. If you're weak, you can become strong in Jesus. If you're poor, you can be rich in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, as we come to the end of this study, I pray that each and every one of us see how important our purpose is on this earth. Lord, there's all takes. I mean, there is the, there's the lowly that let them be lifted up. There's the rich that feel like they, can, they know. They know they can't handle everything. And Lord, bring them into that position they can be in service to You. Lord, thank You that You love us all. Red and yellow, black and white. Lord, that You love us rich and poor and all in between. Whether we're weak, whether we're strong, You have a purpose for us all. Lord, thank You for that. In Jesus' name, Amen.